Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Naturopathic Times podcast. If you are new to our show, this is an interview podcast that bridges the gap between naturopathic philosophy and common day practice. I am your host, Katerina Meister, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Stephanie Yakapidia. And as a final reminder, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share with someone you know. On to the show. Today we are recording virtually in San Diego all the way to Portland. Today's guest is a licensed naturopathic doctor. Her main areas of focus include treating pelvic pain, women's health, and pediatrics. She helps people get out of pain and dysfunction. Please welcome our guest, Dr. Emily Ganaway. Hello, nice to meet you all. Thanks so much for joining us. We're really interested in knowing about how you found naturopathic medicine, and oh, after yeah. some of our research, we found out that you actually were in a lot of pain yourself. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I actually fell off a 100-foot cliff, um, and that was not good. I lost like half of two different vertebrae and fractured a bunch of other stuff, collapsed half of the lung fields, and concussion, a bunch of other things, but um, that was yeah quite painful, and then at you know, at the time getting conventional care, I was put on about 30 medications and I didn't really see any pain reduction with them and wasn't sleeping and was kind of just told that, I mean, I was trying to like, I was going to school still, so you know, oh, wow. um, but I was basically told that I would probably just always be in that amount of pain and always have that much sleep deprivation and they not expect any, anything, you know, to change really. Um, oh my gosh. So, you know, I ended up seeing a chiropractor and they were studying naturopathic medicine and I was like, oh, that seems logical besides the fact that I was getting results from the chiropractic care, obviously. Um, things like my tailbone was out of place um, and, you know, I'd had the conversation with a surgeon who said most of the time it just causes more pain to have surgery on that, but nobody told me to go to a chiropractor that they could move that. Like, Were they like shocked that you had survived? Because that's like a deadly Yeah, because usually 50 feet, like half of people die is what the physical therapist said because she was like, you're just the worst case I've ever seen. <laughs> just not wow, wow. But now things are a lot better. <laughs> Everybody healthy compared to most people my age. <laughs> yeah, so... It was, yeah, quite a shift, but yeah, it felt a lot better to get off the medications and then start getting different kinds of care, like the prolotherapy and just the different way of eating that really can just decrease pain dramatically and make people heal. And um, I mean, drugs have all kinds of different side mm -hmm. effects, whether they're legal to prescribe or not, you know, not that we don't sometimes need some. Um, and there's, yeah, just so much, I mean, there's so much to naturopathic medicine, um, just people learning how to do hydrotherapy and all these different things like flush areas of the body or gain muscle strength. And um, Are you yeah, still in pain really, now or are uh, you? Not, not really. Like I, like I was having to do like an hour of core work every day, but I've been using um, basically high fem technology that we have in our clinic. Um, it's electromagnetic energy. And so that can kind of contract the muscles in weight. Like even if somebody's totally like been off of their regular pattern of movement for like years, like it just, it causes all the contractions to happen. So just like exercise, like it's like CrossFitting, but like CrossFit without like wow. moving anywhere and without any kind of posture. Like yeah, I was going to say your story, um, kind of hits home because before finding naturopathic medicine, I actually interned in a pain clinic. So I was striving for a lot of these patients that were in chronic pain that were just constantly cycling through and on a bunch of painkillers. And it was honestly heartbreaking to see. Yeah. Um, so that's crazy. Yeah. 
it feels very terrible to be on a lot of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and realize they were making me short of breath. And yeah, like, I mean, besides the fact that I collapsed my lungs, I, I think the doctors assumed that that's why I was short of breath. But when I got off of that, I was like, I feel like I can breathe fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, in opioids now, they're, they're more um, stringent on that now. But before they were giving them out like candy a little, you know, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it, well, it was more from not understanding that it's going to cause people to become centralized to pain, like have centralized pain disorder, and then they're going to just perceive more and more and more pain. Um, so I'm sure it wasn't meant to be a mean thing, but yeah, it, it turns out that did not work out. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I can imagine they'd come in with so many side effects. Yeah, people just start feeling more and more pain. They're like basically their body's going to wow. go around to feel pain but so it seems like you're really into helping people with pain because you've experienced that yourself and it's yeah, totally yeah. understandable um we're really curious about the holistic pelvic care that you offer oh, and yeah. just some of the conditions that you treat under pelvic pain yeah so some of the big ones is urinary incontinence affects so many women um some women end up like not being as active because some people will leak so much that even a pad's not going to do it um and that can be quite embarrassing and then sometimes they have the urgency um but pelvic floor actually makes like a pretty huge difference on that um with that and it's like now we also have the amcella to help bring the muscle strength um, back in an even manner because like with the pelvic floor we're trying to release fascial adhesions that are kind of holding between the not the skin but mucous membranes I don't know, <laughs> but it's kind of like that for people that don't know what a mucous membrane is it's like the inside of the vaginal canal um, and then there can be there's fascia and then there's the muscle layers but there can be a lot of scar tissue in between if anybody's had a baby before because even if somebody doesn't rip um, blatantly there's always going to be some micro tearing I mean the head's just turning in there and everything's expanding mm -hmm. and um, and so that'll help release those things because there can be a lot of um, kind of disorientation of sensation like sometimes I'll press by the urethra and somebody feels bowel urgency or the opposite way around and so and there can be a lot of different sensations going on like you know there can be sciatica from those issues and adhesions and um, even had people had like their colon pain go away from pelvic floor just are you saying like pelvic floor like therapy or yeah like where you're going and I mean I do some more detailed work than I guess probably most people I, I release the adhesions and I check all the areas and we're trying okay to get... so you're actually like you're physically touching the patient and yeah so there's the... pelvic floor inside and then there's amcella the amcella somebody doesn't have to get undressed for so and the amcella is on the a machine, machine. Okay. yeah and that's the electromagnetic force that comes up and causes these even contractions and for some women that'll just get rid of everything without having to do the other part and so that's that's really nice because you know there's some vulnerability there and different i mean i usually make people feel pretty comfortable in that really <laughs> down here um, but yeah. but yeah like with the pelvic floor there can be a little bit discomfort so usually I tell people well you know just tell me you know usually the first time is the most uncomfortable and um, we're trying to release the adhesions a lot of people their tailbones are curled in where the tailbone would basically be here but and it's supposed to go kind of the same curve as the sacrum but for a lot of people it will a lot of people will be bent um, right at where the sacrum meets up with it and it'll like go inward but some people would even curl and um be pointing basically the end will be pointing towards the sky you know and so it's like having to get that undone because with the tailbone when we're young it's pretty easy to move um if a kid falls on their bottom typically the thing to do would be to 
basically you have an external little tug on the ligament that goes from here down the tailbone and it usually just pops right back where it goes. With adults it gets more stubborn because it starts to like get all these calcifications around it. Not that it can't be moved but most people don't do that because it is quite difficult and does require some uh, muscle strength. I also use ex uh, extracorporeal shockwave externally um, from the outside to help break up the calcifications and that's made the whole process a lot more comfortable you know okay <laughs> so it, but, it sounds like um you do manual therapy to help with the pelvic pain and you also do different use different modalities such as the mcella treatments and the shockwave therapy so the standard of care usually for pelvic pain is NSAIDs, right? Or basically pain pain meds. So I also had um, pelvic pain after my fall for quite a bit. So I did actually go through that. And that's actually why I'm so passionate about it, because it was kind of the lack of anybody doing anything about it was kind of weird. Like I just got put on so many medications and I'm like, but I still can't sleep because it's outrageous pain, you know, but nobody's, yeah, right. like, they try to show me what a kegel was like, and it was just a, it was very much lacking, you know, and, and there's mm -hmm. been a lot of improvements and people can get a lot more um, care now, but yeah, with the pain, it's like, well, there's the structural aspects of it. So it's like manual therapy can do a lot, but then there's the hormones like um, with like low estrogen, people will get a lot of dryness and that can cause quite a lot of pain. Sometimes people are just very low in vitamin A and E which can cause skin disorders, but then can be very, you know, hard on the vaginal canal as far as like dryness and discomfort or people can have burning and itching and they're not even having intimacy. Um, so that kind of sets them up for a lot of trouble. But then there's all these structural things and yeah, like the, the uterus and the bladder can start to prolapse down and that can cause discomfort because it just takes something like pinching a little nerve to cause a lot of pain or moving something over a little bit. Um, but then there's also those aspects of like, is there dryness or there big adhesions or there, um, so there's quite a lot that can be happening when somebody says pelvic pain. Is there anything else that you would mention for determinants of health with pain and oh, addressing yeah. pain? So with that, it's like with pain, it's like, well, we don't want a lot of inflammation because there are, um, most forms of pain are going to have an inflammatory, you know, aspect to them. And so when we look at simple carbs and sugars, those can get converted into inflammatory fats in our body. And then you've got like, you know, um, red meat fat and poultry fat, and those are also just straight up inflammatory fats. Um, the simple carbohydrates and the sugars will throw somebody for a loop because they'll make the blood sugar go all over the place, which will make their muscle strength also go all over the place if they've got structural issues, which is not good. Um, and then they'll also have that in those inflammation going on that makes things worse. So typically I try to switch somebody to, uh, you know, unless they were like kidney failure or something, typically I try to switch somebody to a high protein, low carbohydrate diet. Though, you know, a lot of people will do more of the high fat. Um, I just find that tends to work work especially with working with people with pain because they need as much muscle strength as they can get around like injured areas or yeah, areas where things have structurally become a little off you know um and so with that it's important that you know i'm not recommending that for everybody right now but because some people are on medication to 
suppress their blood sugar because they've got diabetes. And so for those people, it'd be super important that they're being monitored by their doctor and their doctors, you know, changing their diet a little bit and changing their dosage a little bit and that they're making healthy, safe changes because otherwise they're going to, through this kind of trick to the body, they're going to suppress the blood sugar when it doesn't need to be suppressed anymore. And then somebody could collapse or something like that and certainly don't ever want that. And then also there's the whole keto the idea of the keto flu, which is everybody knows, which basically is the same thing whether somebody switches from, you know, high carb or mm -hmm. high simple carb, high sugar to high protein or high fat. Because the thing is, the fungal die off from being the fungus in the gut being starved um, will still cause the, cause the same release of toxins, which normally people would have more fiber and more water to help, um, you know, rinse basically rinse out the toxins <laughs> with the water and then the fiber to trap the toxins in the poop basically so it comes out the other side and then with that um when i'm trying to have somebody make these kinds of shifts i really want to make sure they're having two to three bowel movements a day because i don't want them um basically there's a part in the gastrointestinal tract where you can kind of reabsorb toxins and um that your body's trying to dump out or things that the fungus is released and and so if somebody's constipated, that's, that hepatic portal system is going to be absorbing so much and dumping it into the bloodstream. So those people already like have issues, like sometimes if they're women, they have high estrogen and all this. But um, so when we're making these shifts, I always want to make sure somebody's having regular bowel movements, um, that they're having enough protein because it's like not like they don't need blood sugar. It's just protein can be converted into a blood sugar in a much more stable fashion as we need it typically. And then the person can also have all this muscle strength through their injured areas. Or, um, and then obviously somebody wants you know, a lot of omega-3 fatty acids to keep inflammation down. Um, but those are some of the really key things to making sure the body can have what it needs to heal. I mean, there's all kinds of other things like uh, so many people, especially women in our country, have a low blood supply. You know, and then most doctors don't realize you need vitamin C to supplement iron. So there, there's other issues where areas aren't getting oxygen and that kind of thing. But a simple diet stuff, yeah, that's how it is. It, yeah, it sounds like diet is always going to be a part of every plan, especially with pain, just decreasing, and you know, oxidative stress. Yeah, because we can get away with a lot when we're young and we have no injuries. You know, kids often, if their diet's cruddy, they'll just be moody and you know, freaking out, but, you know, <laughs> but, but with adults, yeah, we feel pain with, you know, cause we get this chronic inflammation around where the body was supposed to be able to heal things. Right. And so, yeah, your main conditions that you treat are top three in women's health are the low back pain, urinary incontinence and uterine prolapse yeah. and a treatment that's, I haven't seen it in other clinics. So I feel like it's pretty specific to you and your clinic is the um, our Vigo technique of my abdominal therapy. Oh yeah. Part of it is like a front body part. And so we're going down and checking, you know, the uterus and doing this lifting motion. So with the yeah. my abdominal therapy, I'm going in basically, I can't do the motion while holding this, but there's basically a motion to lift and basically it's massaging all these muscle fibers because the uterus is actually like, it's extremely complex in how the muscle fibers are arranged because it's, um, kind of overlapping like this and then it's got spiral arteries so that it can expand to be the size of like a watermelon basically to hold a baby um, and so a lot of junk can get caught up in there and then it also it's flopping over on itself and then the bladders usually under here um, so it can kind of cut off its own blood supply in a lot of ways so one is kind of 
give, like giving the uterus basically a massage <laughs> and, and lifting and getting some more blood flow there. Um, then there's, you know, checking does somebody have diastasis at recti. So that's where the abdominal muscles come around here and they connect with this connective tissue um, at the linea alba. And it's like, is that stretched out? And so if it's not, we're going to want to get some good blood flow into there. Um, but there's some other techniques if somebody does have the stretching and, um, and then with the, um, basically there's sheets of connective tissue that come up to our belly button and they can get a little, basically a little tight because we're all sitting all day. So it kind of sounds like the Arvigo techniques and the myoabdominal therapy is massaging the tissue and really hands-on practitioner to patient type of therapy. Yeah. And then there's home care that they learn. Yeah. And then there's like stretching out some of the, some of the things can be a little bit more intense, but usually, you know, get less in because we're stretching okay. quite a bit of connective tissue. And then, you know, in the back, it's like checking the different spinal levels and where are you, um, cause there's different kinds of urinary incontinence and urinary urgency. And some are coming from the spine and some are coming from the pelvis being off or the uterus kind of squishing the bladder and some are coming from, you know, um, giving birth and, and tears and prolapse. So there's all kinds of causes. Okay. Is this for every patient or is it specifically indicated for certain types of pelvic pain? Oh yeah. So with people coming in, I'm usually trying to see like, do we want to start with like pelvic floor? Or we want to start with the Ancella? Do we want to start with the Arvigo? And so that's kind of case by case. Um, there's a, there's a lot of things with births because some people have C-section scars and maybe the C-section scar is attached to things that are causing trouble. So it's like that may require more of an, um, you know, it's either deeper hands-on or, or maybe a little bit of injection therapy. A lot of people really benefit from that. Um, and so there's a lot of variability in causes because a birth, it could have caused like where basically you need pelvic floor inside of the vaginal canal and have those tissues released and that kind of thing. But there are so many different causes. So pelvic floor is more, you're going inside the, inside the tissues and then our Vigo is on the outside. And our Vigo is on the outside. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so yeah, I do combine a lot of things because I have a lot of other trainings in, in that area. And yeah, I mean, did the obstetrics and, there's just all kinds of different uh, like techniques that can be utilized to, to kind of basically work on a wide range of causes for those things. So basically I want to figure out, you know, from the intake, what's the most appropriate for somebody and, you know, then do some checking and then, and get to working on things in the most efficient manner. And then also what's going to be the most you know, comfortable for a person. Cause sometimes um, they need a little bit of both. Maybe their uterus is off to one side and that's, pinching their bladder but then they also had some tearing and that causes some pain but they've got the urinary incontinence so they might be more comfortable starting with the external work you know and then getting mm -hmm. some of that started getting things a little um feeling a little bit better and then working on the other part um women's bodies are very very complex yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely yeah, yeah. they yeah. don't make it easy on us yeah 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 <laughs> And the Amcella treatment, so normally they would recommend Kegels, and this Amcella treatment actually is about thousands of Kegels yeah, in a it's single like 20, session. Yeah, it's like yeah, Kegels in like, in 28 minutes. Yeah, it's it's very wow. incredible. That's intense. Um, is it, and it's, does it hurt, or? No, I guess some people could have slight discomfort, but 
Typically, no. Um, and the thing is, like, with with doing a Kegel, a lot of people, especially if they've given birth, it's like when I'm assessing that, not like, because I said, we think about it as a clock. Like, sometimes some parts are coming in and other parts aren't, you know. Um, and so it's like we want a really well-coordinated contraction. And so the pelvic floor helps with that because it breaks up the adhesions. But the MCL helps with that because it just makes the muscles do it. You know, <laughs> like, it just it uh, contracts them all, you know? Um, so that's, it's pretty amazing because somebody might not be um, consciously capable of doing that, but the machine's just gonna mm -hmm. cause the contractions. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like um, we don't give women enough time to rest after they've given birth and that may be what's contributing to the prolapse? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes it's not taken as seriously because people are like, well, that's just what everybody goes through. Um, in a lot of countries, the pelvic floor is just part of what they do postpartum. Like, you know, six weeks out, you start getting pelvic floor. Here, a lot of people feel shame or or it's just not part of something they know exists. And so they'll it'll just get worse at like or they it'll be like just a minor thing like they're just losing droplets and then they then they hit menopause and their hormones drop off and then it gets bad because they don't have that you know compensation happening so well anymore which um, estrogen helps with the elasticity of the tissues so things tend to get just not work as well um, progesterone we think of besides just the uterus um, it helps with our water metabolism and so things can get a you know kind of puffy and, and not work quite right um, but then a lot of people, their diets are really poor. And so um, I think a sarcopenia, like elderly people tend to lose muscle mass. It's not something that has to happen, but most people are eating these kind of standard American diets and, and just their muscles kind of shrink. And then you've got the one muscle, you know, maybe the muscle in this quadrants working harder and then it was taking over the job of this one and kind of managing to make it so you just dribble a little and and now it's not doing as much and so now it's just a free flow you know um not that it's always that bad but some women it just gets really bad so i'm always asking independent of their age i'm always gonna ask like well did they give birth were there any complications with the birth was there tearing um any issues really because some people will have strange bowel issues because they're um Maybe their tailbone goes out of place or their sacrum goes out of place. Um, do they have like the pubic symphysis pain? Because sometimes this will be misaligned and that'll cause trouble. Um, there's really a, a lot of different things. And then it's like asking about, you know, well, just also looking like is their skin thinned out. And um, with the elderly population, when the hormones have started dropping, it's like it can get really bad. They can just start ripping you know, their skin just rips spontaneously sometimes, like by the time they're coming to see me, um, which is obviously what we don't want. So it's like, ideally, um, not that this is for everybody, but like when I reach perimenopause, I'm just going to go on bioidentical transdermal cycled hormones and I will stay on them until I'm dead. <laughs> because yeah. there's no real advantage to letting the elasticity of the tissues go. It's like, well, more likely to be peeing yourself, the cardiovascular system starts doing very poorly because those blood vessel walls have to expand and contract all day long. And so they're composed, of, you know, a lot of elastin and all of that. So we don't want that to go. And then with progesterone going low, um, there's all kinds of issues. People will be like, oh, I'm just getting so puffy or they can't think or they can't sleep well. And, mm -hmm. and the progesterone will typically change that quite a bit, if not, you know, kind of get rid of the issue altogether. Um, 
Yeah, and then the other thing is with it is there is no real evidence that the transdermal cycled hormones contribute to the breast cancer. Of course, we want to make sure that the person is having regular bowel movements. And yeah, probably maybe avoid it if they have like a strong family history of breast cancer. But um, it's just when we take oral um, estrogen, it's metabolized before it even hits the bloodstream. So that means that so much of it is being converted to the end products before it even hits the bloodstream. So you've got all these end products and you never even saw you know, the part that you really wanted, hardly at all. Whereas transdermal, it's going into the bloodstream as the actual form like a human would make it and you know, a female would make in her reproductive years. And then it's being go, going into like different fat pads on the body where it's going to create a fat sink so that it will slowly go into the bloodstream throughout the day. And then mm-hmm. with, with it, if it's cycled, then we're trying, we're basically matching the reproductive cycle as much as possible. And that really does seem to make a difference. I, I've had some people that are like, oh, I just don't want to like, you know, and I let them try not doing it for a couple months, but the difference was, was huge when they finally shifted over. Um, and it's not that people don't feel better with like taking oral estrogen and progesterone. It's just, they tend to feel a lot, lot better with the transdermal cycled hormones. It's like a world of difference. Um, joint pain and urinary incontinence, pelvic pain, um, you know, so many different factors. Right. Well, we just want to say thank you again, Dr. Ganaway, for coming on the show and explaining what holistic pelvic therapy looks like. We are curious, what is next for you? Oh, yeah. I have a pain and rehab summit coming up uh, September 16th through 19th. It's a uh, virtual and it's free. Um, but you, people are able to get their replay afterwards, you know, for a small fee. Um, it's www.painandrehabsummit.com. There's 37 different experts talking, um, different, you know, people that do pain management, um, physiotherapists, chiropractors, aquatic therapists, um, Ayurvedic um, practitioner, uh, somatic movement instructors, Ergosco um, instructors, um, strength trainers, little pictures. I was like looking at this, trying to remember all the different people because there's so many, so many of them. Um, J.R. Burgess, he set up a whole bunch of different, you know, regenerative centers, and yeah. So there's yeah a lot there, and so they go to www.painandrehabsummit.com. They can check that out, and then also I'm going to be doing a, a challenge, 27 ways in 27 days to cut pain and so it's you know gonna basically be going through it's like well how would be an organized fashion of like shifting things so that there's less pain obviously somebody would want the workbook looked over by their own position and so they can manage things yeah but um it can really provide a lot of information to help kind of guide that process for somebody's doctor because obviously i i can't see everybody face to face because I'm only licensed in California, Washington, and Oregon. (laughs) Thank you again, Dr. Ganaway, for joining us today and sharing your story. We have learned so much from you. And everyone that is listening, you can find her online at www.mediproholistichealth.com. And that is M-E-D-I-P-R-O-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C health.com. Or on Instagram at Dr. Emily Ganaway, and that is Dr. E M I L Y G A N N A W A Y. And don't forget to join Dr. Ganaway's 
27 Ways and 27 Days to Cut Pain Challenge or purchase her Pain and Rehab Summit at www.painandrehabsummit.com. And before we close the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, comment, rate, review, and most of all, share with someone you know. Bye, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Bye.